Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. Okay, so um, last week, uh, Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch watched two Christian apocalypse films, by which I mean two films about the apocalypse written by Christian believers. So they are, you know, coming from a different place than most apocalypse films are coming from. They're coming from a place of belief and they are coming from a place of like, this is, you know, this is, this is what will happen in the end times. Right. Even though one of them looked exactly like the Langoliers. <laughs> yes. But, okay, so, so we watched both of those, and it was the remaining, um, and I can't remember what year that was, maybe 2014. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Um, and then the other one was the most recent Left Behind film that mostly I wanted to watch because Nick Cage is in it. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. I thought that we were watching, um, what it, was it, uh, Hell, uh, Ghost... Ghost Rider, <laughs> but it turns out that we were watching Left Behind, and yes. it was a pilot. I was like, "When does his skull burst into flames?" Yeah, well, it never does. It never did. Um, so, and I kind of, you know, I was like, "Yeah, we're probably not going to podcast about that because I don't like." I didn't feel like I had anything necessarily to say about that because, and partially because I don't want to be like disrespectful, you know. don't laugh i mean like i don't want to i don't want to like actively be an asshole about this stuff right you know i don't want to get into trouble being an asshole about other people's beliefs really is what it comes down to Mm -hmm. because like i just i just don't but yeah i think the biggest problem with both of those movies is neither of them featured a demon box (sighs) okay well because that brings us to why i ultimately decided i was going to put my hand on that third rail which is that (laughs) We just watched a movie called... Uh, the Possess... The possession? Pos- the... The Possession. The Possession, right? Right. Because if you think about it, it's a double entendre. See, there's two... It's a homonym. Oh, yeah. I hadn't seen that. Because it's the like, box is a possession of right. the girl who, who has been possessed. Who is possessed, it's, yes. It is a possession. Yes. Very, very well done. I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah. It's like... Possession, a novel where it has multiple meanings. Anyway, yeah, it has multiple meanings. Um, yeah, nice. Um, anyway, but so we just watched that, and it has um, Harry Dean Morgan, who plays Negan on The Walking Dead. Oh, I thought his name in real life was just Negan. That's funny. Yeah, his real life name is just Negan. If it wasn't, he should totally have changed it after The Walking Dead because uh-huh. he is Negan. I'm Negan. Yeah, me too. Um, and Kira Sedgwick and some kids. Oh, and Matis Yahoo. Yeah. Who we joked about it when he showed up. Because he's like, singing like a Matis Yahoo song. Yeah. And, and I was like, like, oh, it's Matis Yahoo. <laughs> it's a pretty standard, like, possession yarn, right? Where uh, they, they get a cursed object. Uh, in this case, it's a, it's a Dybbuk box. A Dybbuk being a spirit, an evil demon that has been um, tormenting a pure soul, and then you have to, like, say its name and then capture it in a box. 
Yeah. Which is kind of like a Niffin in The Magicians, if you think about it. They have a little box, too. Yeah, and I did, like, a tiny bit of really shitty internet research, and apparently it, it's kind of on the line of, like, a hungry ghost, because, like, mm-hmm. the the sort of textual evidence of... They, they have textual evidence of, like, uh, an exorcism done in, like, 18th century somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and it was somebody's late husband who was possessing the new husband, maybe? I don't know, but... It, That's messed up. It was pretty messed up, but but the be that as it may, it, like, so it's, it's not necessarily, like, a demon in the sense it's never been human. It's just, like, a, a detached spirit that is, you know, causing trouble. Right. So, and so this one is a, this Dybbuk box that, you know, this girl buys at a, at a, uh, yard sale. Right. After the box, like. Kills this older lady. It doesn't kill her. It just maims her so much that she has to look out the window, seeing the girl buying the box and then freak out. And actually, I thought that whole opening was kind of funny because like all of the visual cues of that woman's house were that you were in like the 70s or 80s. Early 80s yeah. is kind of where I place it. And that's because that time period is pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I just thought it was odd where they had all these visual cues that that's what time it was. And then these, you know, modern people show up and buy the box off of her after her estate's being sold But off. yeah, I mean, you have to give it a sense of place and time. Like, how, how does this box move through time without just possessing everybody? You know, and so obviously, like, the woman who owned it came to some sort of detente with it mm-hmm. until finally she tried to take a hammer to it and, and destroy it. Um, but I, I think that it's, and it's very similar to another movie um, featuring a uh, possessed box. Mm. You may recall Jumanji. Oh, Lord. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So I just it, wanted to get that in the liner notes. Mm-hmm. Mentioned Jumanji. Jumanji, yes. <laughs> Nicely done, thanks. Anyway, so it follows, so... Girl butt gets the box. Increasingly creepy things happen, you know, involving like mobs. And and actually, uh, the possession is relatively stylish. Like, you know, they're really trying. You know, there's definitely some like um, uh, exorcist homage scenes in it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't believe I've ever even seen The Exorcist, so I don't know that I'd be able to It looked a lot like that. Little girl flipping out, cursing. Yeah, so... Barfing. Yeah, so there's this little girl, and they they do a pretty good job of, like, you know, they... There's moths. Moths are creepy. Uh, There's a scene where her, like, uh, mom's new boyfriend, like, all of his teeth fall out, which is, like, basically, like, like a, a... universal nightmare i think for human yeah. beings and more like, so for for a dentist yes and he's a dentist and they harp on that a lot so that yeah. it's just but one like, of the, oh, the, the irony one of the cursed things in the in the cursed box is it is a like a, a molar which yeah. is in there for whatever reason anyway so you know we go through the whole thing and and you know the girls acting increasingly creepy the newly divorced father you know is sort of uh, accused of abusing her, which is why she's being so creepy. Then, you know, he does a Googling scene and figures out that it's this, um, that it's Jewish somehow. Um, and then he goes to see, um, like, this rabbi in... I think it's New York. New York City. It's got to be New York City. It's Toronto, for sure. It's Toronto, but but it's (laughs) supposed to be New York City and, and like, Hasidim 
in New York City. So they go, he goes to see them, and, and that person does the exposition in Yiddish, which I thought was actually kind of cool, um, where he's like, this this is what's going on, and this is what you have to do to stop it. And so Matisseau says, I'll come back and, and help you exercise this job. Um, blah, blah, blah. They do the whole exorcism. And um, so two things I thought about this. So this is sort of... I thought it was kind of cool, different, that instead of going the typical kind of Roman Catholic route, mm-hmm. they went the Jewish route, right? That this is a, you know, they used sort of Jewish folklore right. to exercise this demon thing. Right. Um, and that sort of made me think about how, you know, compared to the... Christian movies we watched, and I mean this like they are overtly and avowedly Christian, mm-hmm. not just using Christian mythology. Like this, the is, point of them is that everybody gets God at the end, right? Which is um, why they weren't but pulled into heaven. It made me realize that you know, in in your average sort of exorcist style film, which this is, the treatment of religion is ultimately appropriative. Mm-hmm. Like, it's ultimately an appropriation. And I mean that really value-neutrally, right? I mean, I think that the term appropriation gets used negatively because it's often done negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You but know, we do that crap all the time yeah, no, in we, horror. Right. It's a it's a windigo. Right. It, you know, I mean, it yeah. happens. No, 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 right. And that's where we get this stuff. That, that's exactly why I'm saying that I'm, I'm using it completely value neutrally. Like, right. This is what's happening. Right. Is that, you know, I mean, because, and on some, you know, because there's appropriation and there's appropriation. Right. Like, uh, I, I once saw um, Eleanor... Arneson, who is a uh, science fiction writer from Minnesota, and I saw her at a con, and they were talking about writing the other. And she said something that I thought was really interesting, where she's used a lot of um, Icelandic mythology in her writing. Um, and she's like, and, and she herself is uh, the descendant of, of Icelandic immigrants to America, right? Oh, I couldn't have told that from her name. Right. Um, and so she's like, but when I'm using um, Icelandic mythology, that's appropriative. I'm not Icelandic. I mean, I may be the descendant of Icelanders, and I feel a kinship towards it, and I'm hyphen American in a certain sense. Um, that That's still not really my culture. That's someone else's culture. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I don't think I'm being disrespectful and and you know, the rest of it. So I feel okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like that's often the case with, you know, horror film where it's like, you know, so the person grew up as a Catholic and they are, you know, understand all of that stuff. And so it's in the toolbox. And so you use it, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't have to come from a place of faith to talk about like faith traditions. Right. right. Um, but anyway, but particularly Christian ones, which are already in our in our overculture. Right. So like, there, a lot of that stuff is understood. Like you talk about um, revelations, and people know what you mean. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's in the cultural toolbox. Whereas so. with like you know 
other other um, less mainstream appropriations, you know, like in this case, Judaism, mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily have any. Like, I'd never heard of a Dybbuk before, but apparently it's a real thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I had heard the term before, but if you'd put a gun to my head, I wouldn't have been able to say anything about the, the folklore of it. Right, right. Um, Although I looked it up because, you know, obviously there was a Google scene at some point where he Googled <laughs> Jewish demon box and... And it's a thing. I mean, yeah. like you could, t- it's totally Googleable. Although the first thing that comes up mm-hmm. is the actual Dybbuk box, where in 2003 a guy in Portland um, auctioned off on eBay a, a, a little wine cabinet mm-hmm. and claimed that it was it was uh, possessed by by a, a Dybbuk, and that's the inspiration of this movie. Oh, is that right? Yep. No kidding. <laughs> that's. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, the farther afield you get from your own, like, native culture, the the more, you know, kind of question mark it becomes. Right. I mean, sometimes I think it can be great. Like, the first time I really feel like I saw this happening in a, in a story of possession where they didn't just go the Roman Catholic route was, um, oh, God, I'm going to forget the, the name of it now. It's the one that had um, Eric Stoltz and prophecy. Christopher Prophecy. Like you had me at Eric Stoltz. Yes. <laughs> He's so great. Anyway, um, where, you know, it's a really traditional possession story. And they and they use all, of, like, they have the archangels are there. Gabriel and Raphael. And... I, I like to think of them as snark angels. Because they keep <laughs> talking about humans as, like, monkeys. And how, yeah. like, and they just sort of, like, make jokes and it's just like they're modern angels you know yeah, it's really wonderful well i mean because it's like the, the whole fear not thing right there's yeah. a reason for that it's because they're fucking scary yeah they're pretty scary anyway so that movie you know it's it's using all of that roman catholic mythology and then at the end what exercises the child is actually native american mythology because they're like evil is evil man and mm-hmm. ritual is ritual, and kind of the act of like sort of faith and repetition is what does it, not necessarily that you use these words or those words. See, the thing I got out of that was that angels are a universal concept that the the like Native Americans had their own ways of dealing with. Like you may call a priest to do an exorcism, or you could call a Native American whatever shaman to do a cleansing and it's the Mm -hmm. same thing because you're talking about the same like platonic forms even though that's bullshit it's total bullshit has nothing to do with anything but that's what the movie was doing i think yeah no you're probably right and i'm just sort of like trying to pretend like that wasn't happening (laughs) (laughs) because because ultimately it is kind of bullshit like the fact that like kind of white America goes to the Native American toolbox and, and takes all that shit out of there and, and uses it for its own ends. Yeah, we're it's all one sixteenth Cherokee. Dude. Oh dude. But yeah, but that that's actually ultimately speaking not okay. of appropriation. <laughs> yeah, speaking of appropriation. <laughs> anyway, but so but so I, so we watch this exorcism film that uses um, Jewish mythology to do it. Um, but it sort of made me start thinking about those Christian films and, and what's different about them. Mm-hmm. Um, because like in, in a horror film, 
when you have explicable, inexplicable events happening. There's sort of a, a you know, there's a standard movement of events, right? So, like, in both Left Behind and The Remaining, you know, horrible things start happening, right? Mm-hmm. People vanish in the... Um, left behind in Langolier style on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the other one... Um, they just DFO. Instead of, yeah, instead of vanishing, the people who are raptured just drop dead. It's horrible. Um, yeah. Well, and one of the things I realized about the, the Christian horror films anyway, in, 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 and the left behind ones in particular, is that the horror for a Christian, evangelical Christian... Mm-hmm. audience is that you're watching something that you'll never really see in your lifetime because you're going to be raptured right you're going to heaven and what you're watching what you're witnessing is all your loved ones who get left behind and that's the real horror hmm. i mean the movie's literally called left behind that's a really interesting insight yeah because because well okay let me finish my point and then i'll come back okay. to this one so so you have all these inexplicable horrible events happening and then at some point somebody says, "This is what's happening, right?" right? And this happens in all three of these movies. Where yeah, they're like they inevitably haul out a Bible and start reading it. Right. Somebody somebody <laughs> figures out it's the end times. Somebody figures out that it's a dibic, and then once they figure it out, then the next step is that they have to figure out the rules that bind mm-hmm. the. You need to find your expert. Yeah, you find the expert. And or you just use your own it, like reason to figure out like how you function because it's a it's like monsters are always rule bound. Mm-hmm. There's always rules, um, and you just have to like horror films in general. Are, and and actually, some of the worst ones are the ones where it's like J.K. There are no rules. Right. <laughs> um. So then you figure out what the rules are. And in, you know, sort of semi-hopeful ones, you know, you act according to those rules and then you are, and then you are saved, mm-hmm. right? But in a Christian apocalypse, being saved is a very different thing than being saved, mm-hmm. right? Those are two, like, they are actually opposite things. Um, especially in the, um, the remaining which I actually thought was a good film. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've seen some Christian movies and a lot of them I think are, are kind of bad because they don't, they don't seem to be peopled by human beings, right? Well, and they're just, they end up being really condescending. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like when we... When and we, and I, actually, I thought that like neither of the remaining or, nor the uh, left behind were condescending at all. I thought that they were... Although, no, I guess... I gotta say, the thing about Left Behind that drove me crazy was that its view of humanity, like, you know, it's been six hours or whatever since a bunch of people apparated, and, um, like, we counted no less than a dozen TVs being carried by looters in the background. By white people. But, yes. All the white people, after the apocalypse, are going to be coming for your TVs. Because that's what they want. There's all of this ridiculous looting. There's all of this... But only TVs. They didn't loot anything else. ridiculous random violence. There's all of this, like, people are suddenly behaving cruelly. And this is, I mean, and this is just the sort of 
uh, understood that this is who's going to be left behind or a bunch of assholes, right? Right. Because without God, you have no rules anymore. And all the godly people who enforce those rules are gone. So let's just go steal TVs. Which was actually, I mean, I thought especially in the Left Behind movie, that was kind of fascinating because you're supposed to feel, um, especially for the main character, that girl. Um, th there's a mm -hmm. girl who her dad is um, Nick Cage, who's a philandering asshole. Pilot. Pilot. And then her mom is Leah Thompson, who's a good Christian. So she's she's taken and just and she knows how insufferable she is too. But she just cares about their souls so much, so much that so she much. has to be insufferable. Yeah. Um, and they then, even have a frank discussion about it at the airport mall, where the yeah. dad's like, "No, your mom didn't drive me away. You know, I'm. It's actually me." Right. And and I thought that was actually like it felt really honest. Like well, that's something that that he would totally say, even though yeah. When mom converted, she became so insufferable <laughs> really that I had to philander. Well, and also, I mean, and there's a scene which I thought was just kind of badly written, but, you know, the the main character girl who's clearly just completely over her mom having converted to Christianity, mm -hmm. like, steps into a conversation between, you know, the love interest um, and another woman, love interest, who is supposedly an investigative reporter that everybody recognizes. <laughs> yeah. Which, lol. Right. Um, so this investigative reporter is being harangued by some sort of like Mooney-like Christian in the in the airport. Mm -hmm. It's like blah blah, say blah blah, and she comes in and just is like, "That's all a bunch of nonsense, and you're a bunch of nonsense." And, like, kind of the way it's played is, like, you're supposed to agree with her. Well, yeah. I think what you're supposed to do is is see that she's making a strong argument and be able to make a counter-argument, but you're not that woman in the airport, so you can't, you can't, you can't explain to her how she's completely wrong as an atheist, but, yeah, she's making a good point. But I, I, I just think it's really... It's strangely positioned, is all. Because, like, obviously they're setting it up that she's the main character, and we mm -hmm. do like her, and we do like her little new boyfriend. We, I mean, he's a he's a likable guy. Yeah, and there are a lot of really likable people who just have no faith whatsoever. Right, yes, obviously. But, you know, so, like, our, our main characters were, who aren't good enough to go into heaven but are good enough for us to like them are on a back. Like, the backdrop is everyone else who are just a bunch of fucking barbarians you know what i mean yeah like there's all kinds of like horrific violence and people being cruel to each other all around them well and there's the faithless pastors who like each movie mm. has one yeah no each movie has one which i think is kind of fascinating and they both deal with the faithless pastors in different ways too which i think is really interesting yeah like yeah. one of them is like oh my god they're what like the demons smell faith they're here for me and he goes out and gives himself over to be sacrificed because he knows he's going to heaven now yeah, okay. Which so, is, is super easy because it's like you're living in the rapture. In like Armageddon yeah. as defined by Revelation. Obviously God exists at this point. Anybody who doesn't believe in God is a dumb idiot. <laughs> like all you got to do is be like, Jesus, get in my heart. Okay, okay. but like so It's this, super but easy. This is, this is where I'm trying to get to my point here, right? So like Left Behind is actually pretty shitty and yeah. I don't even remember what the end was because I don't even care. I don't know. But the remaining I thought the original was, Kirk Cameron was, was better. actually 
legitimately interesting because it violates the rules of a horror film because of its Christianity, which makes the ending very kind of cool in a way. Wait, is because this is this Cloverfaith? This is Cloverfaith. Okay. <laughs> so just just <laughs> just FYI, like the the uh, opening of um, the remaining is extremely cribbed from Cloverfield, like. Shaky hand cam. Shaky hand cam. <laughs> separated lovers going across town to get the cell phones that don't get work. This, get the lovers together, like the whole th- and 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 ash coming from the sky. The demons whole, flying the, around. The, the, yes, and the demons are even very Cloverfield monster like. Yeah, they anyway, are. Yeah, so so yeah, it's totally. Anyway, oh my god. <laughs> but let me try to get to my point. Like, because as opposed to the other one, which was the Langoliers. Yes, because you have a was. pilot in an airplane where but everybody it didn't disappears. Have, but it didn't have uh, Bronson Pinchot. Or um, Dean Stockwell. Yeah, it's just a shame. Yeah. All around. <laughs> 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 okay, I have to get to my goddamn point. Yeah, okay, okay, sorry. So, in the remaining, you know, they, they're at a wedding. Mm-hmm. The rapture happens. Everybody's, like, parents and a lot of the bridesmaids and stuff all... You know, die, yep. which is them being raptured. Notably, the wedding party doesn't because they're all a bunch of sinful people yeah. who clearly had premarital sex. Yes, <laughs> I mean that because, like the you know the 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 groom has converted for the for the bride, but clearly it's not in his heart. Right. The bride, something I don't remember. I mean, there there there's a you know at at, cert, at various points we get everybody's like. Like, why are you still here? They, right. You can, it's kind of like prison. What are you in for? Right. Exactly. Well, like, I touched what's, myself what's at one point. What's your backstory? <laughs> um, so, they... Um... I, I think, actually, one of them coveted his neighbor's girlfriend. There oh, was what? some coveting, and that's not okay. No, there was certainly coveting. Um, anyway, so then somebody figures out that it's Christian rapture. They meet the faithless, um, or the, you know, the the pastor who's lost his faith and they're sort of hiding out in the church mm-hmm. um then uh which is kind of funny because it's like all the people who would go to church have been raptured so the people though, left are like well let's i guess go to church then no that's not entirely <laughs> true because because I mean, instead of looting tvs i mean those are your options go to church loot tvs well I mean, and actually, that's a, that's the thing I appreciated about the remaining is that they don't have this really gross view of, of human nature. Yeah, no, that's true. It's actually like it was much kinder. Actually, most of the people in that group, I mean, they have their you know they have their sins, but they are actually for the most part good Christians, and or good people. Right. Um, which you know, plus one, I like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so at the very end, they, you know, make it through the night with all of these horrible demons attacking people. They try to get, somebody is horribly bitten, kind of like, what's her name in, in Cloverfield? <laughs> um, and she dies, and they, they go to the FEMA camp, and, um, which is like at the Golden Gate Bridge or something? Uh, yeah, something like something that. Something like that. And it's, whatever. And, um, the, the camera guy, because a lot of it's found footage, the camera guy has been the, like, atheist dude. You know, he's the voice of, like, this is, that's nonsense, this can't be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he figures out that when people accept Jesus into their hearts, that's when they're attacked. Right, because the demons can smell it. It's the they can smell the blood of a Christian man. Right, which sort of made me think of uh, Troll Hunter. Are you a Christian man? man? Yeah. Do you believe in God and Jesus? Yeah, and in that one, he he like lied and said no, I don't, and then got eaten by a troll for it. Because they can smell. Although I do have to say, I really like the scene in Troll Hunter where the he's like, "Are you a Christian and believe in God and Jesus?" And she's like, "Well, I'm Muslim." He's like, "Well, I guess we'll see." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns um, out it doesn't count. Trolls yeah. never heard of him. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, they're like Muhammad, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> um, so he figures this out. He's like, "Oh." And, and which is, you know, one of the things that happens in a horror film is like, mm-hmm. I figured out the rules. Right. This is how we're going to survive. Once you, you know, what you have to do is not let Jesus into your heart and yeah. you'll be able to survive. Right. But meanwhile. Paradoxically. Paradoxically. Right. And but so. But what kind of survival is it? Well, really? and that's the thing. That's the thing is that, you know, because it's a Christian film you know, the the believers in the film, the people who are left behind but are still faithful, um, they're like, you know what? Time to time to you Jesus here I come, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they you know, there's like a like a mass baptism going on and they and they get involved at they, the FEMA camp. At the FEMA camp and you they, even see them rolling a giant tub uh, uh, like a, a cattle lot water tub i you know i i think and you're like what's that for oh oh, i get it it's for the mass baptisms no it made sense to me i you know if i'm living through a biblical apocalypse that's right yeah on the top so yeah so and the and you know so he's like i have to stop them and he goes you know running over there meanwhile you know the you know they've been baptized and then the monsters come in and like totally snap them in half and that's and then that's it right that's right which it. is a, it was a really cool safety valve because it's like you you still can't kill yourself mm-hmm. because that's a sin but once you have faith they'll just do it for you and then you can go to heaven well I, and that's yeah and i guess that's what i'm saying is that like that's why i think the remaining is actually a really really fucking cool movie mm-hmm. is that it's coming from a place of faith and it is not fucking around with it right but at the same time it's using that place of faith to fuck around with the rules of a horror film. I thought it was pretty cool to sort of watch uh, all of these things in, in serial and then realize that they were kind of related in my mind. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like, it may, like, because I couldn't figure out, like, I liked the remaining when I saw it. I just couldn't articulate what I liked about it. Yeah. Um, and now I figured it out, which is that it's, you know, it's this pretty cool reversal of the horror film that being saved is not being saved. Right. And that's actually really neat. Yeah. On, on a narrative level. Right, right. Um, I don't think that Left Behind is anywhere near as um, successful. No, but I think The Possession did a really good job of taking the, the like, the possession tropes from, like, The Exorcist Mm-hmm. And uh, applying them with a twist, you know, because you've like I really enjoy the horror movies that are object based, like Annabelle, The Conjuring stuff. You know, it's all oh, you God, you love yourself a box too, man. Oh, I know boxes are just neat. Yeah, you know where you have like this. It's a it's this it, it it's a container for good or evil. You know, until you like put something in it. Right. It's just value neutral. But yeah. this box happens to have a demon in it. Yeah. And it's, it's got some sweet carvings on it, and you know. That, like, that piece of it I thought was really neat because it's, like, it's this possessed 
thing. And then, you know, of course, some kid gets a hold of it, and there's, a, like, a new house, which in a, in a, um, in a little, like, suburb enclave where they're building a bunch of new houses. So this is a new housing development. And this is a really common thing, too, I think, is, is this, it's this fear of, like, you had mentioned poltergeist at the time, where it's like, mm -hmm. they built this on an Indian burial ground, yeah. you know, because everything in America is built on an Indian burial ground. There's something about these, like, empty houses... Um, brand new empty houses uh, that that is scary because you you don't necessarily have neighbors like if you're the first one who moves in which you kind of get the sense from this movie that yeah they're the first ones who have moved in well, you know and so like that's scary in and of itself there's this creepy dog door they dog. call it a dog door but it's really a raccoon door everybody knows and it's huge I mean it's like it's a home invasion door I mean why bother having a door on your house at all just like just have a big gaping hole in the wall and, and they do it's yeah so i mean at one point he has to like screw it shut because you know because well, i was thinking about that i was like you know it's that it's that liminal space that's scary right it, because yeah. it's not it's not quite it's not a know, community yet it's, well and it's also like it's also like like civilization pushing into the wilderness and then the mm -hmm. wilderness pushes back or it's like in the langoliers right before people show up <laughs> Where you've got this big empty space that's just soulless and empty and, you know, and it's just a little weird mm -hmm. because you don't belong there. I think we should probably mention that we recently watched um, The Langoliers from whenever that was, the 80s. Yeah. I think. It was entertaining as hell, but yeah. not good. <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty faithful to the, to the source material, which I is fine. The source comment. material was kind of dumb, and it was it ended up being this like lawnmower man, Pac-Man garbage, which is more or less what it's like in the book. Like is there are these right? like yeah, there's giant Pac-Man show up and start nibbling all of the the That's earth apart, yeah. and it just sort of falls apart at the end, like a lot of those early Stephen King books do because he ran out of coke or whatever. Yeah, I think that coke was a, could be you know accused of a lot in the eighties. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, so, but the the whole liminal space and the whole, like, suburbanization of the wilderness is, like, a discomfort, I think, in yeah. America. But I, I think, like, so back to your point about appropriating these, because, I mean, the, the Dybbuk box is an actual, uh, or the, the Dybbuk, anyway, is, is an actual thing in Judaism. Judaism. This is a real, this is a real thing. But it's been completely appropriated by, for, by and for a Christian audience where you, I mean, at one point they're like, we need, we need a private space. And it's like, you're in a private hotel room or a hospital room. Like what, what more privacy could you get? But I guess it's so that if there's a bunch of screaming, so they take the elevator downstairs to the basement where there's physical therapy because the, you know, Negan's a coach. And so he's like, oh, my players are down there all the time. So they, you know, I know where to go. And they get down there, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly like that room in the last scene in Constantine where, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. this big waiting pool. Only in that one it was cross-shaped, which, you know, but it was like this this hospital physical therapy area right. um, with a pool in it, which is, is all about baptism. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what pools are for. And, you know, they so then they, they perform the thing down there in this, like, kind of, like, clean, white-tiled room that I, I just... That you know, couldn't get Constantine out of my head at that point. I thought that was kind of fascinating because, um, Matisseo, when he's, um, setting up the exorcism shit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
he he's like, so this is the oil from two different trees, which represents light, mm-hmm. which I think is this lighting lamp oil. Yeah. And then he's like, and this is water, which represents darkness. And I was like, because they don't mix, right? Maybe because they don't. Oh, that's mix what he said. Because water puts uh, fire out because something, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is really fascinating because I don't feel like that's part of. Um, Christian symbology necessarily. Right. I mean, I don't know that water represents either light or darkness, but it certainly doesn't represent darkness. Right. No, um, no. I mean, I'm sure it's like the water of life, right? It's all about life. Right. But and she, baptism. But yeah. And... But yeah. Anyway, but I, I just, uh, sidebar, that really doesn't have anything to do with anything. But I did right. think that it was an interesting, um, like, symbolic structure that I hadn't seen before. Right. Right. Um, which, is, which is why seeing these sorts of things are cool because you're like oh i didn't know that yeah like they're i mean apparently jewish exorcism is actually a thing i could have sworn that that was just like a a, like a catholic thing even because it's all like let's yell some latin that we don't know what it means and the demon will be like ah and then run away yeah i mean i don't think it's a i mean i mean the difference here is that they yell in hebrew right but i also i mean i do think that this is also just I mean, again, this is not written by Jewish people for a Jewish audience. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, there's not a certain amount of fidelity to, you know, whatever. Like, right. Like, I mean, even, even, I and I, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know the names, but like the, you know, like the, the, in, in uh, Roman Catholic, it'd be the scapular, the, the, the scarf that goes around the neck right? right and he but he's got like the jewish version of that and i was like but this is all just crisp. This is like this yeah the like i just don't scarf. i don't see this as something that whatever it's fine i don't care but yeah no i mean it was totally like it looked like somebody was like i've seen pictures of jewish people doing stuff let's do that you know <laughs> yeah i mean i imagine it's probably not too horrific or matis who wouldn't touch it but who knows yeah well um yeah i mean you can't judge it by who's involved because I've definitely seen things where I'm like, Oh, you just got a payday and that's a mess. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, like Nick Cage, why are you in this movie? I think Nick Cage, his latter day career, like just like, about every movie you could ask that question. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it like from uh community, uh, Abed is like Nick Cage good or not. Like, <laughs> like and he had a total meltdown because mm-hmm. he couldn't figure it out because it's like, is he good or not? I don't know. Yeah. I can't even say anymore. No. It's it, like, like the, co- the whole concept of good has no meaning. It's like, it's like, it's like the Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance <laughs> concept of quality. Yeah. Like just like bangs on the rocks of, of, you know, Nick Cage, there's nothing you can No, do. that's true. And even in asking the question, what we really are asking is, am I good or not? <laughs> does, does Nick Cage's goodness reside in the viewer? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of the point of it. I think that's right. Because, <laughs> for example, one movie that we watched and we never podcasted about was when he did... The ripoff of um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh yeah, movie. <laughs> it was like Will- Willie's World or whatever. Willie's, I don't even. I don't know. Even remember the name what, of it. What, a night it, was, at, it was Five Nights at Freddy's. It was Five Nights at Freddy's. I can't remember Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, I mean, we made a whole night of it. We rented it. The kids, kids who hate 
television. And yeah, watched it with we were us. into Five Nights at Freddy's though, and it was totally like oh. the animatronic nightmare they were hoping for. <laughs> it but it was just like, oh my god. But dude. I mean, like you can't. I mean, and he literally doesn't utter a word in the entire film, not even once. Yeah, and, he does not have a speaking role. And and like, I can't even say if that's good or not. Like, I can't. I think it's because it would allow them to pay him less. No, that's not what happened, though. I'm sure, sure there's some vague Hollywood rule where it's like, if you don't have any lines, then you no. you get paid scale, which is $24 a day. Right, no. Or whatever I mean, it is. Yeah, no, there's actually, like, that is absolutely a thing where, there, like, if you have a speaking part, it's different than a non-speaking part, but that has to do with people who are not Nicolas Cage. Right. And can command, <laughs> like, an actual, like, salary right anyway the whole i don't know that dude man who even knows i don't even know i don't so but anyway so back to the possession Mm -hmm. which um just to sort of wrap things up i feel like um the so the title in you know the box is a possession Mm -hmm. and there is a possession of the girl who owns the box um which sort of gets you thinking like do we own our possessions or do they possess us like why does she want that box so much in the first place right i get it because i'm a box person boxes are sweet if i saw something like that at a garage sale i would buy the crap out of it possession or not we're gonna I would... end up with our cats possessed or something oh sure but i mean in fact they could be already i think cats come pre-possessed yeah you're probably right but i i, I think it's it's the 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 the, the thing is he has bought this suburban house, mm-hmm. this brand new house, completely empty, yeah. devoid of possessions. Yeah. You know, it's got no heart and soul at all because Americans, by and large, define ourselves by what we do mm-hmm. and what we own. Like, that's how we identify with things. Like, what albums do you listen to? Like, what, you know, what, what are your things? What, what is your possessions? Because you know we that's that's how we we it's like a shorthand for what kind of a person are you because you look for other people that have the same facebook likes because and and you know this is a, it's a good shorthand because generally you're going to find people that you can talk to and identify with you know i mean that's how it works so when you go into a completely empty house it's freaky because you can't you can't say anything about the person who lives there Although, I've got to say, I've got a whole um, kind of cassette tape about the um, 70s Rambler and the picture window and what that means for American society, which I'm not going to go into. <laughs> but I do, I do think that there's a certain amount of like um, exhibitionism and voyeurism that goes on with like housing in America. Hmm. Um, and I think that that is kind of invoked in this movie a little bit because like the girls live with their mother in an actual authentic real looking house Mm -hmm. and their father lives in the soulless suburban um empty house Mm -hmm. that's on the edge of the wilderness yeah um and i think that that's there's something there yeah well i mean like you kind of mentioned it earlier it's that liminal space between um, inhabited and desolate, you know, I mean, it's like, like, uh, when we were watching the witch and this family is sort of pushed out, you know, like, like banished into, into this wilderness area where they sort of 
they 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 eke out a, a, a small living you know they yeah. build a little house they have a little outbuilding they have some animals whatever but they're kind of in the middle it's of so nowhere hilarious. there's nothing there and there's this this vast emptiness there which at the time i mean like you can kind of see that as like a um i mean that's the like the the boundless west right i mean this is the like normally it would be the optimism of a of a small country mm. looking to get larger but it's sort of portrayed in the movie as this terrifying like you don't know what's going to pop out of there and eat you and it turns right. out it's the devil devil himself but is it, in the wilderness and he and and all you can do is try to clear your lawn in a circle and light enough torches right. at night but to it, keep them away the devil's out there but actually ultimately the devil's inside the family already yeah, well, you I mean, you know what I mean. Like, it's not—it's not actually out there. It's right. Right. Here. No, is Nicolas right Cage good or are we good? <laughs> I can't even. I couldn't possibly comment. I mean, it's not a question that's meant to be answered. No, no, but yeah, no, it's totally fascinating, and I do kind of dig it. Yeah. So I think while this was a pretty good movie, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm gonna watch it again. No, I mean, I feel like I've I got, seen it. I got I enough got times. Out of it what i wanted to get out of it yeah whereas the like the conjuring movies i totally love and i think i need to take another run at them because you know those are great i'm super pumped i think that the third conjuring movie is coming out next weekend or yeah so we're gonna have to have a a conjathon conjathon yeah all right